Uh, welcome as we come to worship today. We begin uh, with the first scripture that we'll use together uh, a little bit later. It's from our appointed psalm for today, Psalm 125. And so it begins with, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but <coughs> endures forever. There's something in that opening verse of that psalm that says that whenever we trust in Him, we endure in something that is not ourselves. We endure in something that is bigger and better than who we are. And so we entrust ourselves to the God who is able. I want to hear from God's Word today. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First let the children eat all they want, he told her. For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she replied, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There, some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged him to place his hand on the man. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spat and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Uh, thank you to David uh, for reading that uh, for us today. Um, for those who are in the building, we have been double David today. Uh, makes everybody feel safe, doesn't it? Um, not just double Jad, but double David. Um, that's what we were saying before the service. Um, so let's just uh, pray as we come before this piece of scripture. Father God, thank you that you are present uh, with us, that your word is alive and active. Um, and by your spirit, may it speak into the very depths of our being this morning. Um, your words, Lord, and not mine, uh, linger with us today. In your name, amen. Amen. Um, this passage that was read for us, this uh, faith of the Syrophoenician woman, really is the bit that we're going to concentrate on today. Uh, it's a bit of a strange passage, actually. Um, it starts off with Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Jesus wanted to be alone. And this is one of the few places actually in the scriptures 
often whenever Jesus goes to be alone, he heads um, out to the mountain um, to be alone to pray uh, early in the morning. It's what we normally hear whenever he heads on his own without the disciples. But here we see the, the strange movement, if you like, of Jesus. He, he leaves the disciples in the place of familiarity and he goes to a different place and he enters a different home on his own. And then something happens. Normally in the accounts of these uh, miracles happening in the Scriptures, the disciples are around, a crowd gathers with him. But even though Jesus wanted to be alone, even though he entered a house, and the way that that's phrased, he entered a house and he did not want anyone to know it, almost sounds as if he's slipping away from the crowd. He he's saw an open door, he he's nipped in. The question lingers, does he know this home? Is he aware of the residents of this house? But yet he's in a different place. But yet... If you read on in that verse 24, it says, yet he could not keep his presence a secret. Even though this is early in the gospel of Mark, Jesus, I was going to say popularity or fame is increasing. But a better word for that is reputation. The knowledge of who he is and what he is able to do is spreading far and wide. So whenever he arrives in a different place, he arrives on his own and maybe can try to mix in a little bit easier than arriving with a crowd of friends. He is still recognized. He is still known and people still want to be around him. That's not the only strange thing in this passage, verse 25, it says, in fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Siren, Phoenicia. She, this lady approached Jesus. She's not given a name. She's known simply as the Syrophoenician woman. Culturally, she shouldn't have approached Jesus for several reasons. One, it was not to be done in public that a, a man and a woman would be seen together unless they were husband and wife. Secondly, she is Syrophoenician. She is not a Jew, and therefore the fact that she steps forward to approach a Jewish rabbi, one who is seen as a teacher, is culturally a huge taboo. She is stepping way out of her comfort zone here. Now, if the crowd is gathering, if Jesus ha has entered this home, but the Scriptures tell us that this, he could not keep his presence a secret, that this crowd around him is beginning to gather, it also implies that she had to push her way through the crowd to be at the front so she could have a conversation with him. And it doesn't say that she had a conversation with him. It doesn't say that she asked politely by placing her hand in the air. The literal interpretation is she begged. She begged him. 
There's a sense of urgency there, isn't there? There's a sense of imploring. There's a sense of, of continuation, the begging, the wanting. I'm sure we have all been in that position, either ourselves as children or had a child with us uh, who wants something. And uh, that moment where we beg the adult who is with us um, to buy us that thing, whether it's a packet of sweets or it's a new toy or, or whatever. And it just keeps going on and on and on in the hope that the individual will be worn down and would say yes. Jesus' reputation has obviously reached the ears of this lady to the point where she knows that if she, if she can just get Jesus to say yes, something, something would happen for her daughter. She's not going to give up. But Jesus' words in verse 27 are quite remarkable. In all the other passages of Scripture where we see, um, where we see people approaching Jesus for healing, often the conversation will arise between that individual and Jesus to the point where Jesus will say, go, your faith has made you well. Those that have been recorded. Now, there are also recordings in the Scriptures where Jesus doesn't heal everybody who he comes in contact with. And often that's a big question whenever we talk about this conversation of healing. Why is one person healed and another person not healed? Jesus entered the pool of Salome in a different passage. And for a man who had been born and was unable to get into the pool of healing because of his disability, Jesus approached him and healed him. But the fact that this pool was known for healing and would have been filled, surrounded by people who sought to be healed, that Jesus must have walked away and left other people who hadn't been healed. And so that question always hangs in the air. And I don't have an answer for it today. But this lady that we are speaking of today, the Syrophoenician woman, obviously had such a knowledge of the reputation of Jesus, that she truly believed that just one touch from him could change absolutely everything. And she wasn't going to let go of that. She was almost dogged in her determination to ensure that it would happen. And Jesus' response in verse 27 is quite interesting. It says, First let the children eat all they want, he told her. For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Now there's several references in there that are quite subtle in many ways. Jesus is saying, let the children eat all that they want. Uh, scholars would say that that is Jesus saying, look, you are not a Jew. I have come first for the Jews. Uh, the Jews are the ones who I go to first. The fact then that he says, it is not right to take the children's bread, that's the Jews, the children of God, and toss it to their dogs. The dogs being a really derogatory term for non-Jewish people. It seems quite harsh that that terminology would be used by Jesus. But actually, I think 
Whenever Jesus said that word, first let the children eat all they want, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs, the lady didn't hear just a simple negative, dismissive comment. I think she heard the first word, first, which implies that there is a chance, which implies that there is hope which implies that this is not the end of it. And so she responds, yes, Lord, she replies, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And what she's saying there is a couple of things. One, all I need is a scrap from you, Jesus. That's enough. And two, Surely everybody should have the right to approach your table, Lord. And then Jesus told her in verse 29, For such a reply, you may go, and the demon has left your daughter. She went home, and she found her child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. That moment where Jesus tells her to go, her daughter has been healed, is a moment where Jesus is saying that he has come for absolutely everybody, not just for the nation of Jews but that his story, his sacrifice, his death will open the door for absolutely everybody. The dogs no longer simply have to eat the crumbs from under the table, but everybody will have a space at the Lord's table, the opportunity to receive from him This Syrophoenician lady threw herself wholeheartedly towards Jesus. She was all in. There wasn't a, a hesitant, maybe, maybe, uh, would it be possible? I wonder, are we wholeheartedly throwing ourselves in with Jesus today? Are we hesitantly holding back and saying, well, Maybe, maybe at another time. Maybe at a later date. Maybe whenever the circumstances around me change, it will be the right time. The right time is now. And in this passage, we see the mission of God that it's for everyone. The Scriptures say, now is the day of salvation now is the appointed time that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That whenever we throw our lot in with Jesus wholeheartedly, whenever we seek His presence with us wherever we are, then the situations around us can change. Because just one touch from the King can change everything. What do you need? What do you desire? What do you want the Lord to touch for you today? Don't hold back. Wholeheartedly jump towards Him. Let's pray.
Father, as we learn from this passage today, we continue to pray that your Spirit would whisper softly or shout loudly into the depths of our being what it is that you would say to us as individuals, but also collectively as a community of believers today. Lord, in our busyness and in the hustle and bustle of life, may we take time and find time with you. Lord, may we find that opportunity to wholeheartedly throw our lot in with you. Lord, your word teaches us that even in our unworthiness, you step in to our presence. And because of your presence, we are made worthy in your sight. Amen. Amen. As we close, uh, we hear uh, a blessing. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bless upon each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.